This is Patrick Henningsen, and you're listening to On the QT at 21wire.tv. Accessing confidential data. Welcome to On the QT at 21wire.tv. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. Thanks for joining us this for this podcast. This is uh, free, uh, the first 30 minutes. The first part is free, and uh, in- hope you enjoy it. Hope you like it. And uh, after the uh, around the 30-minute mark, we're going to go uh, for members and subscribers at 21wire.tv for the final hour. Uh, so if you do like it and you do want to join, uh, we do encourage Become a subscriber, help support our work at 21st Century Wire, and become a member at 21wire.tv. Internet memes have become a way of expressing ideas online and in many ways are the virtual political comic strip of the 21st century, but with a serious twist. Sprung from the creative bosom of 4chan and Reddit, from Pepe the Frog and now the NPC or non-playable character mem, these mems have crept into the mainstream and have caught the gaze of censors in San Jose and Palo Alto who would not appear to understand what these mems are and how profound a method of political communication and artistic expression mems are in the 21st century. Today we'll discuss, is this really mem magic? Or is this a new form of crowdsourced art? Everybody has been watching the last couple of weeks, and this thing came out uh, on the internet, The this mem, the NPC mem, the non-playable character mem, and uh, sort of made its way through Twitter, made its way through social media, and the moderators, the social media moderators and banners uh, banned all these accounts who were um, self-replicating this, this mem, this incredible mem called the NPC mem, and arguably making fun of liberals, making fun of the automaton culture of, uh, of zero creative thought, of zero creativity, and just repeating talking points, repeating s- uh, sound bites and buzzwords all the time. And so I'm I'm here with my uh, good friend and colleague uh, Jay Dyer, uh, who's an author, uh, a very successful first edition of Esoteric Hollywood, new edition coming out about before Christmas, I think. Esoteric Hollywood, yeah. Volume Two. So Jay's with me. Hi, Jay. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Yeah, looking forward to Esoteric Hollywood Two. Uh, hopefully, it's going to do as well as the first one. So I mean, this is kind of this this subject's right up your alley, Jay, because. Um, I mean, we're dealing with this mem. I mean, you've got a good take on this. So, you know, just in your own words, just kind of explain how this this one, this mem unfolded and how it sort of came into the public consciousness. Well, one of the things that Internet culture gave birth to is the meme. And, and of course, everybody can debate or try to figure out exactly the origins of this. But it probably was, uh, you know, 4chan or Reddit, this kind of stuff. And it had a big impact in the Trump election. I don't know if we can measure that, uh, but certainly Pepe and, and you know, the, it, my understanding is that 
this began as a joke that it was kind of a joke that when when Trump said he was going to run, people started making a and then they would paste the blonde wig on top of Pepe. And it, and it kind of caught on. Everybody thought it was funny. And the more that it caught on, the more it kind of took on a life of its own. We all recall Hillary saying that that uh, a cartoon frog was uh, the emblem of white supremacy and, and the absurdity of it kind of gave it power. You know, that the establishment giving it attention sort of energized it. So regardless of what one thinks of Trump, it was already becoming kind of standard that that memes in terms of their satirical comedic power replacing the old comic strip. You and I talked about this. I think you made this point that, you know, political comics that you would read in the papers or something that this has now been replaced by by the Internet and the meme. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, they're still they're still comic artists, but uh, Ben Garrison, people like that. But but, yeah, I mean, this is this is uh, where we are now. And part of the reason that this is so powerful is that the Internet culture is very closely linked to the gamer culture. And again, it doesn't really matter whether you like it or don't like it. That's the, the reality of it. You know, who's the biggest YouTuber in the world? Well, PewDiePie. And uh, what's he do? He's a gamer. You know, 50 million subscribers on YouTube. So this is a, a gigantic audience. And it has a lot of power to push out images, symbols, and ideas that affect a lot of people, whether they know it or not. So the establishment has been, for a long time, for several years now, at least as far as I could tell from looking at different universities and and places like UCLA, Berkeley, or UC Berkeley, uh, GCHQ, you know, they've been studying the effects of the meme and how to censor it and control it because – if 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 you can't control it and people can create images that are satirical, it's very difficult for AI to, you know, to go through and try to, to pick out what's satirical and what's not. So when they use very generic scenes or images like this, the NPC, which is the idea of the non-playable character, it's very difficult for the AI to go through and properly ban that without banning a whole bunch of people. So when when Twitter, for example, tra- started trying to ban this, they were, I think, having to ban people that had put the NPC meme image in their profile picture. <laughs> but uh, they seem to be having difficulty figuring out how to ban the actual propagation of the meme itself. So shadow banning you know, only goes so far, and especially when the culture begins to adopt images that are very generic, as I said, or you know, images that tie into things that are very well known, you know, uh, corporate uh, logos, this kind of stuff. There's a lot of different ways that that meme warfare can be conducted, and it really does have an effect because you know satire, political uh, humor, it does speak to this to to the mass mind, to the collective unconscious, and and when a meme really resonates with reality, that's what gives it power. So uh, the reason this this has been so successful in the last couple years actually i think is when it started and then especially in the past you know few uh, few weeks and months is because it rings so true you know if it didn't ring so true it wouldn't it wouldn't be so successful just give uh give us a little background on the this non-playable character mem or this this icon of the there was actually a precursor uh the the kind of the wojack uh, genre, mm-hmm. genre. I remember you, you had sent me the one of the first Wojaks I ever saw, and it was like a boomer uh, with a, mm-hmm. some headphones <laughs> and a cigarette on, and <laughs> it says it has yeah. all the attributes. It is it, so it's kind of like a, a cartoon uh, of a stereotype of a sort of a cultural right. stereotype. And so you you sent me the the Wojak boomer, 
and it had all his attributes listed. And it was absolutely right. hilarious because everybody knows uh, somebody or <laughs> someone like this, or we see them around yeah. town, you know. But yeah, what, so where did the where did you where did the Wojak? What's the the kind of idea behind that? Yeah, that's the name for uh, the the kind of the generic image of just a guy, uh, uh, yeah, uh, a normie, I guess you could say, a normal guy. And so it's kind of it's it's given a lot of different it's it's used in a lot of different formats, a lot of a lot of different situations to again to satirize different things. But uh, it kind of got melded with this idea of the the non playable character because some people who if you've ever played any kind of video game and doesn't even have to be a new one, you know, all even old video games contain kind of the characters that run on their own. Uh, and they're very limited in what they can do. You know, they might just bounce around or jump around or have one line. And if you go back and talk to that that character within the game, it still repeats that same line. Uh, so, so there, it's the image of a a an almost a soulless entity that just kind of runs on some very basic program. And that is what a lot of people in the gaming community were starting to say. Hey, this is actually what I get when I interact with people who just parrot. The mainstream media, the people who parrot the the boring two years old jokes now about Trump, you know, from the late night comedians, the Jimmy Kimmel's, the the Jimmy Fallon's, the the, the Seth Rogan's, the the Comedy Central types, and not Seth Rogan. Well, I guess Seth Rogan could count on that too, but uh, Seth Meyers. Uh, you know, it's the same rote thing every night, and most of the time. As you've pointed out many times, the, the mainstream media's criticisms of Trump are never about an area where you could make a legitimate criticism of Trump. It's always about something ridiculous. Uh, I think the guy that you had on last Sunday was making the point, oh, it's about Trump's penis this week. It's about P-gate last week. Just really you know, degenerate, disgusting stuff. Uh, and people, again, we're, not, we're starting to notice that the general reply that you get from, from the average person – especially the mainstream media indoctrinated person is uh, rehashed programs that they're just sort of running on. Uh, and, and that's why the meme is so powerful is that everybody experiences this. And then when it's combined with images of, you know, local news stations that are just rehashing the same talking points, you know, 20, 30, 50 different local news stations that say the same things like, like, uh, we're we're experiencing a threat to our democracy. This is the greatest threat to our democracy. This is the greatest threat, and it's all the different news stations across the country saying the exact same lines. Then it starts to you know, become clear that we don't live in a in a in a world with. It's, in other words, it's a very powerful red pill meme. It's programming. I mean, that's the the damning indictment here is that uh, yeah, and and what the what the MPC mem does, it does what any good really good effective piece of art does, which is it, it reflects some condition in society. Uh, and I know yeah. this is like basic 101 art, and maybe they, if, you, if you're listening to this and you took an art history class or you, you took your mass media class, that's probably what they told you, uh, good art or a good political cartoon does. But it's true, and this is what this does. And it, the, the, the frightening thing, and probably the frightening thing to the people who uh, felt that they were the target of this meme is that the, the truth is that we are programmed. That there's a whole yeah. a whole lot of programming going on. The sound bites, the 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 the, the kind of inputs. So in in a way, this the allegory of the of the Matrix is ringing mm-hmm. so true in this uh, in this in this little 
you know, theatrical drama. Yeah, I thought the point that Infidel made on Boiler Room was was really appropriate because, you know, to the mainstream person who's either left or right, and that's another thing is that this this meme doesn't just criticize the uh, characters on on the left or the, the mainstream left. It's also applicable to the so-called conservatives because they, you know, fall into a lot of the same problems, especially when they rehash the the mainline neocon type type line on different issues. So it's powerful because it crosses the left right bridge and a lot of memes don't do that. They're they're They don't have that, that power that ability. but this one seems to so far. I think that's why it's called attention to these, to the establishment in terms of trying to ban it. But as infidel said on the, on boiler room, it also is kind of the ultimate uh, gray goo, meaningless, faceless consumer type person that the establishment wants to create and has striven to create and apparently has been successful in creating, uh, particularly in the last hundred years. You know, the Rand Corporation did studies on how to transition uh, the West and America from a, a productive economy <clears throat> into a completely consumer economy, consumer society. Mm. And that society then tries to find identity or create identity from the things that are offered to it in pop culture, you know, the late night TV shows, what music you listen to, this kind of stuff. Not that those things are bad, but but they would rather have you trying to create your identity or falling back on some sort of some sort of controlled identity politic uh, that you obsess over. And that way you're shuffled off into a, a little uh, juncture in the corner and you're not a threat to anybody. And that's really what they've been successful with especially with the Democratic Party's uh, adoption of uh, just extreme uh, identity politic. And this, I think, has really neutralized the entire uh, uh, left, whatever to whatever extent it actually had any power anyway. It's, it's really neutralized it, especially, you know, we, we talked about this before, the, the loss of anti-war sentiment, genuine anti-war sentiment in the left, the loss of uh, 9-11 discussions on the left. All that's been replaced with just the most uh, extreme and in many cases degenerate and depraved uh, takes on, on uh, you know, peepees and vaginas. Yeah, that's it. That's all that's <laughs> left. That's, that's yeah. the bottom of the barrel, or as the French would say, the col du sac. Um, but <laughs> back to, the, back to the, what you said about uh, Infidel's comment on the gray goo uh, you know the kind of the non-person, that sort of grayed-out person. Mm -hmm. That the, the that's part of the genius. And I, actually, if you look a little closer at the NPC figure, um, that's pretty much uh, grafted right off of the Macintosh OS uh, mm -hmm. uh, logo. <laughs> so so it's really even taking a deeper attack on on the sort of Apple monoculture or the Silicon mm -hmm. Valley monoculture. And so Good that's point. another level. That's another level in, and I'm like, the more I look at this, and I think, wow, this is this is uh, this is much more rich. It's much deeper than Pepe. Although Pepe is, uh, in, it, Pepe was was kind of you could say pure mem magic in that it's almost had an occultic, it almost had an occultic <laughs> uh, quality to it because Pepe and then the Egyptian frog god, then Keck. All of a sudden, yeah. Pepe's a god, you know. And then he's yeah. he's transposing with Trump in a cartoon virtual world. I mean, it's just wild and psychedelic. But 
the so the, the MPC mem it, it this drills down into like it, it goes for corporate culture this goes into conformity groupthink it goes into yes. mass media it goes into i mean just just in the media critique alone it's devastating this was totally devastating it came and it hit so hard uh for the last 10 days and I would say this came as close to anything I've seen in breaking the, breaking Twitter. Basically, it nearly broke Twitter uh, in the sense. <laughs> and 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 the people. And it was really just uh, a, it was a I, I guess a counterpunch, if 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 you would, because of the amount of censorship yeah. going on. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Well, I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, other people called attention to the the famous 1984 Apple ad, which features. And I, I actually had this in an article that I wrote about three years ago because of the bizarre symbology in the ad. Now, of course, the the, the ad premiered in 1984, and this was going to be uh, the beginning of you know the personal computer at home. You're going to have your own Mac and all this stuff. And the ad is uh, consciously Orwellian 1984. The irony of this, the the bizarre twist, is of course that. In the ad, uh, everybody who is a, a, literally an NPC, they're all grayed out men. They are freed by a woman who runs in, this 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 energetic blonde woman runs in in a very feminist way and kind of smashes the, the paradigm. She smashes, I don't know, something. And there was also kind of Cold War imagery and symbolism in this. And the idea was, oh, the West is you know going to free everybody with the personal computer. Um, I am a little more skeptical. I'm a little more, uh, I, I don't buy into this idea that, that the PC was given to everybody for the purpose of freedom. There may have been some people in Silicon Valley who believe that, uh, maybe Steve Jobs genuinely believed that. I don't know. But if you, if we look at what's actually happened, uh, you could make the case. I think that, that the level of the personal computer and all this, um, in many ways has been another form of enslavement. And so, was Apple really attempting to break the conditioning and and the the supposed uh, you know Soviet threat that the that the ad attempts to hearken to, or is Apple our new Soviet threat? You see what I'm saying? Is is the is the ad even more sinister uh, because you know the message that is in the, the ad is now the opposite, right? It's kind of flipped on its on its head and become the opposite in our day. And we're actually seeing the the real gray goo NPC people that are in that ad all around us. Yeah, I'm, you're not far wrong, Jay. Uh, I don't know if you've been to any major urban areas or any major cities recently. I just came back from uh, London. And, oh, yeah, uh, I was just in L.A. <laughs> you're in so, L.A.? Yeah. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So I, hadn't, I had not been, right. I had not been to, to, to walk around. I may have been to airports and stuff, but I haven't walked around London in, in, in a long time. And uh, everybody has got their face in their phone, and I, I'm not the only yeah. person who's made yeah. this observation. So w- w- did you see more or less the same thing in Los Angeles? Absolutely. And uh, even when you get on the extremely packed you know, interstates and the nightmare spiders webs of interstates and one Oh ones and ones and fives throughout LA, everybody in their cars is on their phone <laughs> and their, their faces, faces in their cars are in their phone, which that, that system is a nightmare. I don't, I don't know how everybody's not constantly wrecking and dying on that, that, uh, nightmare freeway. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I, I, more than I've ever seen more than ever. And and so what do you, so th- this is a total transformation of uh, of society right uh, overnight 
overnight. So, like, I didn't see this to this degree, uh, you know, four or five years ago. So you're talking about, like, in in five years, society has been turned on its head. Social interactions have been turned on their head in just five Mm -hmm. years. Um, I don't think people are underestimating the significance of this. This is a big change. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a there's a dystopian aspect to the NPC meme, which is what is resonating with people. People are realizing, and and even people in in the gamer subculture, which there are a, a quite a few uh, woke people in the the gamer subculture, because again, things travel very fast in that venue because it's a younger crowd. It's people thirty and under for the most part. Uh, it's a huge number of millions of people, and this is why we've seen things like Gamergate, why we've seen such a push to to lock down on video games, because yes, even though you can trace video games back to the Pentagon and DARPA and all that, uh, there at least has been to to some degree, um, you know, elements of free thought and creativity within the video game world. This is being discussed everywhere about bringing the, the social justice uh, memes and messages into video games precisely to lock down that... Uh, niche that subculture which is a giant subculture but like it or not okay. uh so so the reason it's resonating is with with that group is because that group of people is spending a lot of time on the internet but they're also seeing a lot of things that are resonating with them in terms of reality and there is that dystopian aspect that you're talking about that a lot of people in the gamer community are noticing and and a lot of the plots of the video games interestingly enough do have that dystopian plot you know, uh, video games like Deus Ex, you know, this is all about transhumanism and the, this I, transhumanist takeover. So, so yes, I'm very aware of the fact that video games are full of propaganda, but at the same time, it's also some of the gamer community and people like that that are highly intelligent and, and many of them, you know, working in, in Silicon Valley or in computers, they know what's going on. Yeah, and, and I'm going to play this clip real quick. Uh, you, you had sent me this clip, actually. It was... Uh... This was the at the the Wojak uh, manufacturing NPC manufacturing facility, uh, and it's just like a classic cartoon. This is like this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen uh, from an animation point of view. This is just like uh, absolute gold. NPC zero four five one. Let's begin. I will ask you some free association questions. Please respond with whatever comes into your mind. Have you ever listened to the inner voice? Hearing voices is a sign of mental illness. Have you ever gazed at pictures in your head? How do I fit a picture in my head? Have you ever seen patterns within patterns within patterns in a tree of life? Input error. You have no ability to creatively reflect on anything. Top marks. Let's move on to stimulus response. How many genders? There are an infinite number of genders. Describe this headline. This headline proved men must be abolished. Who is this man? That is Cheeto Hitler. Top marks. Keep this up and you can become the new Alexa. Yeah, I think that, that clip is great because it's drawing on uh, Blade Runner, or at least... Uh, maybe THX uh, 113A or the, the Blade Runner sequel where you have people kind of being drilled by some AI system to make sure that that their responses are all within 
politically correct guidelines. And the re- the reply is that you get the, you know, the establishment, you get basically the, the Twitter blue check mark. You're okay. Right. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody, I know you have a blue, <laughs> blue check mark. I'm just saying that, um, one of the NPC memes was making fun of the fact that, uh, most of the people, the so-called journalists who have the, the, the blue Twitter check mark are, uh, seemingly NPC bots. Yeah. Blue check. I mean, you're even referred to as a blue check mark. I noticed uh, as people calling. Oh, because uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember uh, Snopes did a hit piece on on me and uh, 21st Century Wire and and everybody you know writers that write for us and uh, and and so they they reached out to us Snopes and they sent an email with all these loaded questions. So rather than mm-hmm. answering any of the questions, I just posted their email on Twitter and it went viral. And uh, some people who were defending Snopes said, oh, when a blue check mark does this, you know that uh, Snopes is uh, on the case, you know, kind of bigging up Snopes. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's the first time I've been called a blue check mark. I thought that was funny. So that's, this is my foray into, uh, you know, trying to whatever, play the game, uh, whatever that game is mm-hmm. on uh, social media. This is the end of the first free 30 minutes of On the QT. If you'd like to join us for the rest of this 90-minute episode, subscribe and become a member at 21wire.tv, and you'll have access to sneak previews, premium content, and much more. But more than that, you'll be supporting this independent media outlet. That's all of our work. That's the Sunday Wire radio show each week, and also keeping this platform in the fight, growing, and thriving. So for 21wire.tv subscribers... We'll see you on the other side. Tune in Sundays at noon Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time for the Sunday Wire for three hours of action-packed talk radio on 21stCenturyWire.com and AlternateCurrentRadio.com.